At 8.45 a.m., I was typing away at my keyboard, and at 8.46, I heard a double explosion. Boom, boom. And my peripheral vision was caught something in the window behind me. Two or three yards from me, 84 floors in the air, I saw swirling flames. Uh, I thought a welder had hit a gas line. Brian Clark. I had burns on 80% of my body and a broken bone in my back. I had my contacts in and they were melted to my eyes. I, my wife, uh, when my wife came to the hospital two days later, she said my ears were turned inside out because my head was so swollen. I was in the hospital for 12 days. Ron DeFrancesco. I'm watching this plane and every second it's getting larger and larger and coming towards me. I can see the letter U on the tail. This plane is at eye level and it starts to tilt. And I remember saying, Lord, I can't do this. You take over. And I dove under the desk and the plane crashed into the building. Every wall is flattened. Every piece of furniture is broken. The only desk that stood firm is the one that I'm hiding under. My Bible was on top of that desk. Stanley Pramnath. So today, we are going to be talking about um, remembering um, the those who lost their lives in 9-11, um, the terrorist attacks of 9-11, which happened 20 years ago today. Um, two airplane, uh, two jetliners flew into the World Trade Center's um, pretty much first thing in the morning on September 11th, 2001. Um, both of those buildings came down within minutes, and there was just chaos and confusion and panic everywhere. Um, and I just want to kind of share some of the stories that I've, little snippets of some of the stories that I've found um of people who survived it. Those first couple of stories that I read to you are of people who were on practically on the same floor that the plane hit in one of the buildings and they survived. They were just, they were just like one or two floors above it. And, you know, they were on pretty much as close as you could get. And, and these few people survived. Um, one person says, <clears throat> Lauren Manning was um, on her way into the North Tower um, that morning, and she was still, I believe she was still in the lobby. She had just walked in, and she says, as I entered the North Tower that morning, it felt that the 110-story tower had imperceptibly jumped. The elevator shafts, which had a direct path to the lobby, came plummeting down, and a moment later, I was enveloped in flames. The blast had an amazing power and backdraft that continued to pull me into the fire. My voice was powerless. I could not breathe. I could not speak. And, <clears throat> again, she was, she was in the lobby, and um, I just can't. I just can't imagine how horrendous it, it must have been. Uh, on that day, the sky was the bluest I have ever seen it, and I haven't seen it that blue since. I work on the, 80, on the 68th floor, and as we were making our way 
you could smell airplane fuel. Uh, we got to the lobby, and the plane hit my tower. I was the last one out of the elevator, and the elevator door never opened up again. When I looked up into the air, I saw people jumping, and you knew that it was horrific above those floors that they couldn't get down. Susan Her, she worked in um, the South Tower, and further in her <clears throat> in her um, story, she goes on to say that um, she thought about just getting off on one of the floors because the elevator was so packed that she was kind of getting claustrophobic and kind of having a bit of a panic attack because they were just piling onto this elevator that she was on. And she had come, of course, from a higher floor, from the 68th floor, and, um, but she was the last one off of that elevator. It was down to the last second, because as they got off, it took them several minutes to get down, and because it, they had to keep stopping and, you know, picking people up, and as they got off and I, I don't even know if I would necessarily say to safety because <laughs> they were still right there when it collapsed. But as they got off is when the building hit their plane or the, the plane hit their building. Um, what I don't understand is so many people in those buildings um, were being told to stay put, even though even after the, the first plane hit the first building, people in the building that were unaffected um, in the in the. Um, uh, I don't know if it was, I can't remember if it was the South Tower or the, the North Tower that got hit first, but people that were in the building that had not been hit yet were being told to stay put. And of course, not all of them did, which, which is good. But, um, I, th I think what happens is that there's just so much confusion and so much, um, not knowing what to do, you know, you don't train for something like that. There's no safety protocol that could adequately teach you what to do if a plane hits your building and the building collapses while you're still in it. You know, there's nothing that could prepare you for that. <clears throat> um, personally, if it had been me, I definitely would have instantly been getting out of the other building <laughs> as soon as possible. Um, but, you know, everyone had to do what they thought was right at the time. So <clears throat> I was declared dead for three days. When the South Tower came down, I was right underneath it. The second jet came right under my head and United Airlines Flight 175 struck the South Tower. All my ribs were broken. My arm was snapped in half. My shoulders were torn off. My back was crushed. I was bleeding internally. I was buried with other people who were screaming at the top of their lungs, and the screams of those people turned to cries. Cries turned to whimpers, and whimpers turned into silence, and one by one, they had all died. And then people came and started digging, and they found me. And they got me on a boat. They intended to take me across the river to New Jersey to the hospital. A half hour later, the North Tower fell, and it fell on top of the boat. I got buried in the engine room of that boat all alone, 
and once again I'm suffocating. It was almost an hour until they found me again. Joe Torrio. And he is <clears throat> part of the New York Fire Department. He was one of the many uh, uh, firemen who responded that day. And he was one of the many firemen who ended up being buried, of, of, as he says, in the wreckage, in the rubble after the building collapsed. Um, his story is, is also really amazing. And the part where he says that he was declared dead, he was presumed dead or missing, was because because they took him to New Jersey from New York. They took him across the water. And <clears throat> so it took them a little time to find him. Um, I had been married a couple of months and I was on my way to work when I heard about the towers. When I got my off, when I got to my office, the second tower was just going down and my brother lived in New York at the time. I lived in California. I remember rushing home and all I could do was watch the news and try to reach my brother and he was okay. I think we'll all remember where we were on 9-11. About 10 years after 9-11, I was able to take our son to New York, and we went to Ground Zero and the 9-11 <clears throat> Museum. If you make it to New York, make sure you go to Ground Zero. Maria Humphreys from, and she actually has a podcast of her own called Strong Body, Strong Soul, so go ahead and go uh, check that one out. Really cool, <clears throat> really cool lady. Um... And then, um, so these are quotes from people who survived the horrors of 9-11. They were all close to the tower. They were in the tower. They, you know, one of the towers. They had loved ones who lived in New York. They are eyewitness accounts of the most devastating thing to happen to a generation since Pearl Harbor. Um, today, as we look back... 20 years ago, to the day the earth stood still, the unimaginable, the unthinkable, to the courage, the self-preservation, the sense of unity, the need to support each other, um, how we all came together, and even um, immediately after, um, uh, another, <clears throat> another story that I've heard recently, a man tells about uh, he was not in the towers, but he was in a building that was very close to the towers. It was where where he worked. And um, he remembers the people being covered in ash, you know, looking, he recalls them as looking like ghosts because they were so, so covered in, in everything. He remembers the, the, uh, metros being down, the subways being down, the transportation and the cell phone uh, service being down and ha them all having to walk across the bridge back home. And um, he remembers people coming together and offering what they had in that moment and helping each other um, bandage cuts and scrapes and, you know, wounds and comforting each other and things like that. We all came together in that moment. Um, do you remember how you felt the night you went home to your apartment? 
to your house, to your families, to your children. Um, I think even though we had just been through a horrible shock and a horrible disaster where so many people lost their lives, um, we came through for each other. And it's so important to remember that we that we did how how great we were as a nation in that moment coming together and doing what was needed the um the firefighters who ran directly into those buildings the policemen who helped keep people safe the um paramedics the EMTs the medical professionals who showed up to help um people who showed other people the way out of the buildings and helped people get further away to a safer area. The, um, in, in the later days, the relief workers, the people who came to help clean up the, what was left of the buildings, the, uh, uh, volunteer, um, teams of people who would come with their, their therapy dogs and disaster relief dogs to offer moral support in those in those times such such an amazing support for each other that we had i could find hundreds uh indeed thousands of stories just like the ones i read um there's so many out there and it's just amazing to to see there wasn't a single person in the united states on that day who was not affected by what had happened in one way or another. You know, there wasn't anyone, if you weren't there, if you weren't in it, you were hearing about it, you know, you might have known someone who was there, you might have known someone who was involved, you might have known one of the relief workers, you know. Um, there was not a single person in the country that day who was not affected in one way or another. Um, and it's, it's shocking. So let's, um, I'd like for us to take one minute, 60 seconds, um, of silence and just remember those who lost their lives on 9-11, remembering the sacrifice and, um, honoring their memory. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom, came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist attacks. 
Thousands of lives were suddenly ended by evil, despicable acts of terror. These acts of mass murder were intended to frighten our nation into chaos and retreat, but they have failed. Our country is strong. A great people have been moved to defend a great nation. Former President George W. Bush. Um, and he was right. A, a great people were moved to defend a great nation. <clears throat> my, uh, one of my older brothers, um, was, uh, compelled to join the military in the wake of, uh, September 11th. And he, um, he, he did join and he, uh, joined the Navy, became a corpsman, and he, um, uh, went on two deployments to Afghanistan after, uh, basic training and, and things like that. But 9-11 was one of the major factors that, um, uh, encouraged him <clears throat> to join the military. I have a feeling that he probably would have done so anyway, even if those two towers were still standing, I'm sure he would have joined the military anyway. Um, but that was a big part of why he did. He wanted to be, um, in a position to be on the front lines and to protect this country. My dad started, um, donating blood after, uh, 9-11. Um, they had lots and lots of people who were hurt very badly. And if they were to survive, they would need, a, you know, a blood donor, um, they would need a, a blood transfusion. And so my dad started donating blood with the Red Cross after that. And he still does to this day. Um, so amazing things. People, people have been moved to do incredible things. Um, everyone's life was changed, um, that day. Um, I, I believe that it was an attempt to, damage our country and possibly to bring our country to its knees but we we rose we came together and we uh remember everyone who was lost everyone who uh was um paid the everyone who paid the ultimate sacrifice um, so, so many helpless people on the planes, um, in the buildings, um, 911 operators having to listen to the pleas for help from people calling from the planes, having to listen to, um, the screams be before the planes hit the building and, and before when they knew something was wrong. Um, and being helpless, having to listen on the other end of the phone and, and being helpless, you know, um, so many husbands and wives and children hearing those final voice messages from, from their loved ones who are on those planes or in those buildings, trapped, you know, trapped in the buildings. Um, it's, it's so hard to imagine just the magnitude of the loss. It's easy, it's easy to look at it on, you know, to watch it on TV or to find, um, video footage, uh, video footage of it 
and say, man, you know, this is, this is horrible. But when you're someone who was there, when you're an eyewitness, it's, it's so hard to imagine. It's so hard to believe what you're seeing. You know, it, it was unimaginable. <clears throat> um, so I've shared some stories, like I said, of people who survived it, who saw it, who were, uh, there at the time. Um, and there's one more story that I haven't shared yet, and that is my story. Uh, my story is nothing like um, the stories I've read, um, but I was uh, four going on five. <clears throat> my birthday is September 15th, to, uh, 1997, so I um, am actually turning 24 next week. Um, and I would have been four, just a couple of days away from turning five, when 9-11 happened. Um, I think I remember sitting in our family room at home, sitting on the floor, looking up at the TV, <clears throat> and seeing the buildings and seeing the smoke. Um, that video where there's just this long long trail of black smoke from both of the buildings and you know the news reporters are trying to find out exactly what happened and everything um i think i remember seeing that but because i was so young i don't think i i had no idea what had happened and what was going on and i don't even know if it was immediately after that you know like it could have been that same night on the news i don't know but I think that's what I remember. Um, <clears throat> and then when I was a teenager, we did this uh, a couple, several years ago. Um, my family and I went to New York and we did a lot of fun stuff. We did a lot of touring. We went to the Empire State Building. We went to, we stood outside Ford's Theater. We went to um, the Mud House. We went to the Surratt House. We went to the Capitol, we stood outside the White House, you know, we did a lot of touring. Um, we saw Times Square, but the most impactful place we went, I had not been to New York at all before then, but the most impactful place we went was to Ground Zero. And you are standing there and, and there's signs all around that say, please, um, please be quiet, be respectful, you know, and you're looking there and there's these two gigantic, gigantic squares, just holes in the ground that are out outlined uh, squares and they're made of um like black granite or black marble or something they're gorgeous they're just absolutely gorgeous and you step closer and you look and on etched into those uh, squares which are outlines of the building. They are built around the perimeter, the, the shape of the building, are the names of everyone who worked 
in that building that died. Um, and it's, it's really sobering. Um, and you look down, they, they turned those buildings into beautiful fountains that go down into where the parking garage was. And it, it's, it's, it's changing. It's, it's shocking. And then you look up and all you see is this beautiful sky. Um, and you try, I remember being there and seeing those, those two monuments next to each other and looking up and trying to imagine the towers, the height, the, the magnitude of those two towers standing there. It's hard to imagine just how big and, and majestic those buildings were. Um, and it's, it's amazing. My, my mom and dad actually went twice while we were there. Um, they went once, one day with, without us. And then they actually, they took us back the next day because, um, I decided I, I wanted to go see it. So we did. And, uh, the day that they were there, they actually ran into a firefighter who lives in New York, who was a responder to the 9-11 attacks. And they got to talking to him and he started kind of telling them his story. And even though it was years later, he still had a really hard time, uh, talking about it. He still had a really hard time describing it. Um, the, the sounds of, um, people hitting the concrete after they had jumped out of the building, the screams as they were falling, the, the, um, shock of everyone around, you know, he just had a really hard time talking about it. That's how deeply it, it hit him, you know, <clears throat> but it was a great, great experience to be there. I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to go and, um, I actually hope that I can go back someday and take my children someday. Um, so if you haven't been there, I strongly suggest that you, uh, visit, uh, the 9-11 memorials. And I actually do want to go back so I can go to the museum. I don't think I knew that there was a museum that was there until recently. So, um, anyway, so if anyone out there is listening and you are, um, a first responder, um, a EMT, a paramedic, a police officer, firefighter, search and rescue, um, anything like that. I just want to say thank you. Um, we appreciate your service. Um, keep up the good work. Uh, anyone out there who lost a loved one uh, in the attacks of 9-11, I just want to express um, my family's deepest condolences. Thank you for your sacrifice. You have not been forgotten. We will not be forgetting them. Um, and we just want to say that we love you. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. And um, keep up keep up the, the hope, keep up the faith, and let's continue to band together as a country and as neighbors as we did on that day. Thank you.